Welcome to the Cuban Genealogy Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you research your Cuban ancestors. The Cuban Genealogy Podcast also brings you the latest Cuban genealogy news with an entertaining and educational point of view to keep you moving forward with your Cuban genealogy research. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Brian Toscobello. Welcome to episode 203. We took the summer off for podcast updates, but we did continue with the Parish Preservation Project over the summer, and we have a lot of news to share. So now, for a quick update about the Digital Cuba Parish Preservation Project. Digital Cuba is officially a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to preserving parish records in Cuba. In July and August 2019, we conducted our first official trip to the island as part of the nonprofit. Our 2019 goal was to digitize four parishes, and on this trip, we were able to digitize three parishes. Yes, three parishes. Right now, we are in preservation mode to help the parishes digitize their records and progress further with a database to make researching easier for the parish archivist. At this time, we are not posting any information online. We are helping the parishes preserve the record books. When we refer to parish books, we are referring to baptisms, bautismos, marriages, matrimonios, and deaths, defunciones. We will keep you posted on our progress and will share any exciting news as it happens. We also need your support for this preservation project to move forward. You can purchase items on our Amazon page or simply send a check. Details are in the show notes. You can also make a donation directly to this podcast. All funds are 100% designated to the digitization project. You can also visit us online at www.digitalcuba.org. In other news, I attended the FGS Genealogy Conference in Washington, D.C. I was lucky enough to attend the Federation of Genealogical Societies Conference on August 22nd through the 24th. There was only one Hispanic workshop researching your Hispanic heritage, but I made sure that I attended to be counted and met with the speaker, Colleen Green Robledo, a half-Irish and half-Mexican genealogist who lives in California. I told her about Digital Cuba, and we might collaborate on an event in Southern California. I also spoke with the president of the FGS, and she also agreed that we need more Latin, Hispanic, and Spanish-speaking workshops at genealogy events in general. Speaking of genealogy events, if you are in Miami, please attend the Cuban Genealogy Club of Miami's October meeting, Saturday, October 19th at 2 p.m. It will be at FIU in the Green Library. This session is titled Beyond the Family Tree, Ways to Share Your your Family's History. More information can be found at cubangenclub.org. October is also Family History Month, and what a better way to celebrate than to participate in Community Days with findagrave.com. As a part of Community Days, we will upload over 1,000 photos for the main cemetery in Matanzas. These have never been published online before, and we hope to keep growing the cemetery records for Cuba. And now on to our feature, Notable Cuban Women, Part 1, Mariana Grajalas Cuello. In this ongoing series, we want to talk about notable Cuban women, who they were, how they shaped Cuba, and a focus on their family trees. Cubans have an unlimited number of stories to share, so let's get started. So, I know generally about Mariana, how she was the mother of Antonio Antonio Maceo, how she's considered the mother of Cuban independence, but when you think of her genealogy, Some other questions might arise, like, how many children did she have? Did she have any daughters? Who are her descendants that are still living today? So let's get to the story. The following description is from a book called 
Ten Notable Women of Latin America by James Henderson and Linda Harris Henderson. Mariana Grajales was born in Santiago de Cuba, daughter of Dominican parents and of mulatto race. She was born on June 26, 1808, and married Marco Maceo in 1851. That would have made her 43 years old. Marco Maceo was her second husband. Mariana is the mother to the bronze titan Antonio Maceo, the Cuban from Santiago de Cuba that helped Cuba gain its independence. And to add some intrigue, there's a link to the Bacardi family, a link to the Freemasons, and of course to the soldiers known as Mambises, and of course to Cuban independence from Spain, and of course Mariana's Cuban family legacy. So this is our first in this series of podcasts devoted to Cuban women. Mariana Grajales. Her story is about a Cuban woman's struggle. It's about Cuban independence. It's about losing multiple children during wartime. And it's about living outside of Cuba in exile. Mariana lived in exile in Jamaica. And now we're going to look at her family tree. Mariana bore 14 children, nine to Marco Maceo, giving birth to her last child at the age of 52. Mariana, along with her family, lived in La Delicia in the barrio of San Luis, Santiago de Cuba. She would later run a mountain settlement and an impoverished bush hospital. Mariana had four children with her first husband, Fructuoso Requefieros Echevarria, and they were married March 21, 1831. Evidence shows Fructuoso died on July 5, 1838, which is problematic for child number four, Justo Germán, who was born in 1843. We can leave this paternity out of the story for the moment and return to that topic in a future podcast. Between 1832 and 1843, Mariana gave birth to four sons, Felipe, Manuel, Fermín, and Justo Germán. Fructuoso passes away and Mariana mar marries Marco Maceo. The following excerpt is from the 1978 book, Los Hijos de Mariana y Marco Evangelista Maceo. A mixed-race mulata, Spanish and African, daughter of Dominican parents, Cuello was raised in the eastern region of Cuba, known for its racial fluidity and concentration of middle-class Afro-Cubans. As her parents were landowners, Mariana grew up in an environment that allowed her to become astute in business affairs. During her youth, she was exposed to notions of liberalism and became deeply religious. These two facets of her belief system would eventually be incorporated into her own children's lives. End of excerpt quote. And here's a research tip. When looking over the material for this podcast, there were several references to the Catholic Church records that researchers used to make family connections. Most of these records were found in the parish books, Pardos, which would have been where most mulatto Cubans would be recorded. Most parishes switched to general books around 1900 or just after, noting that parishes do vary on their recording practices. Okay, let's start with child number five, since we know the most about the Maceos. Child number five would be her most famous son. Antonio Maceo, born in 1845. At the age of 16, he went to work with his father, delivering products and supplies by mule. His father was a successful entrepreneur and farmer. As the oldest of the children, oldest of the Maceo children, he inherited his father's leadership qualities and later would become a decorated general. Maceo developed an active interest in the political issues of his time and was initiated in the mysteries of Freemasonry. The Cuban Freemasonry movement was influenced by the principles of the French Revolution, liberty, equality, and fraternity, as well as the Mason's main guidelines, God, reason, and virtue. Child number six, Maria Baldomera, born in 1847. Her godparents were the parents of Antonio Maceo's wife, Maria Cabrales. At 21, she helped her mother and sister-in-law with the wounded during the Ten Years' War. She married Maguin Riso in Kingston, Jamaica, 
where her mother would eventually live in exile. Mario and McGean had a small tobacco farm and fruit farm there, but eventually moved to the Dominican Republic. She had three children with McGean. She passed away from tuberculosis in 1893. She was 46 and in exile in the Dominican Republic. Her remains were later transferred to Santiago de Cuba, June 15, 1938, 15 years after her mother's remains would also be transferred to Santiago de Cuba to be placed in the same tomb as her mother. Child number seven, Jose Marcelino, born in 1849, known as El Leon del Oriente, Lion of the East. He died in combat on July 5, 1896. This would be after his mother had already passed. He is buried in the main cemetery in Santiago de Cuba, Santa Ifigenia. He died at 47 years old, and he was survived by his wife, Elena Gonzalez Lopez, and their five children. Child number eight, Rafael, born in 1850. Rafael Maceo died at a young age, the young age of 32. Rafael had a daughter with Dolores Alcantara. The daughter did not live long. Rafael was captured by the Spanish in 1880 and sent to Chafarinas. Have you heard of Chafarinas? It was a Spanish prison in Morocco, so very far from Cuba. Rafael died of pneumonia on May 2, 1892. His remains were returned to Cuba in 1954. That's 72 years later. What would Mariana think of that? Hmm. Child number nine, Miguel Maceo, born in 1852. Unfortunately, he passes away in 1874 at the age of 22 years old. I did not find much information on him. One historian believed that his death was tetanus-related due to a combat wound. I did not find any marriage or offspring records for Miguel. Child number 10, Julio Maceo, born 1854, died at 16 years old on the battlefield. Probably the most tragic death of all the Maceo children since he was so young. Child number 11, Dominga de la Calzada, born in 1857. She is possibly named after Saint Domingo in northern Spain. Here's an odd excerpt about Domingo de la Calzada. Santo Domingo de la Calzada is also the site of the miracle of the hanged innocent, a pilgrim wrongly accused of theft. The witnesses for his successful appeal, a pair of beheaded, supposedly cooked chickens, are represented by their descendants, a pair of whom are kept at all times in the choir loft of the cathedral. Other descendants are kept in the local pilgrimage refuge. Isn't that a strange story? I'm very curious as to why Mariana would name her after Santo Domingo de la Calzada, and I would have never thought I would be doing a podcast segment mentioning cooked chicken heads. Dominga married Liberation Army Colonel Manuel Romero Lopez. They had six children, Vicente, Edelmira, Antonio, Julian, Manuel, and Marcos Romero Maceo. She and her husband would live in exile in Jamaica and Honduras. She would later return to La Habana, where she died in 1940. Child number 12, Tomas Maceo, born in 1857 and also participated in the Ten Years' War. He went with his family into exile into Jamaica, where he married Emilia Nunez, and they had several children. He would later go with his brothers to Costa Rica to work, since they were still in exile from Cuba. He was given back the family property in 1907. I don't know why it took until 1907 to reclaim his family property. He would go on to live another 10 years, passing away in Santiago de Cuba in 1917. Child number 13, Marcos Maceo, born in 1860. He married Manuela Vasquez. They had the following children, Marcos, Antonio, Julio, Guzman, y Caridad. He would live in exile with his mother in Jamaica and return to Cuba after independence in 1898. He did not live long after that, passing away from stomach cancer in 1902 at the age of 42 in Santiago de Cuba.
Child number 14, Maria Dolores, born in 1862, but she only lived 15 days. Okay, I know we've jumped around in time while reviewing the children. Let's go to 1878 when we find Mariana at 70 years old, her property confiscated by the Spaniards, and now all of her sons have death warrants. Mariana goes into exile. She moves to Jamaica, but continues to support Cuban independence from exile. She did this by organizing patriotic associations for exiled Cubans. Mariana Grajales Cuello never returned to her homeland. She died in Kingston, Jamaica at the age of 85 on November 27, 1893, five years before Cuba's official independence in 1898. On April 22, 1923, Mariana's remains were transferred from St. Andrew Cemetery in Kingston, Jamaica to Santa Ifigenia in Santiago de Cuba, 30 years after her death. Wow, what an amazing story. So do you think Mariana was your typical Cuban grandmother? I'm not sure about those details, but she sure did have a lot of energy. We know she had 14 children, a few who died young. We know that she and her daughter-in-law nursed wounded soldiers. Many of her children went on to live longer lives. She did have many grandchildren. Did she know them well? Probably not. Was she a patriotic networker? Probably. Mariana still has descendants alive today. From her story, she seems like a strong woman, family-oriented, focused on a free Cuba. If you Google her, you can see that one of her descendants was interviewed, and they definitely look related. It's a beautiful story. And that's Mariana Grajales Cuello, our first notable Cuban woman in the Cuban Genealogy Podcast. In the next podcast, we will discuss Cuban DNA with a focus on DNA comparison for Cuba and Puerto Rico. You just might be surprised. And we will continue on our Notable Cuban Women series. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Brian Toscobello.